He has given us the means to imitate him. So what is that? That means we are filled with God's Spirit. That the Holy Spirit has taken residence in our lives. But you know the amazing thing is that when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't get more of Him. He gets more of you. (laughs) It's when you let yourself go so that he can direct your path. And that direction is what we should all strive for as believers, allowing God to have his way. We are inside of a sermon series entitled, A Life Induced by the Holy Spirit. And today's guest speaker is none other than founder of Amity Bible Church, Dr. Les Smith, with a message entitled, Loving Others, Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus. Follow along in Ephesians chapter five, verses one through five, as Dr. Smith explains. If I were to give you my sermon in a nutshell, some of you have very, very short attention spans. And so I'm going to give you the sermon up front, and then we will walk it out as we go. So the sermon in a nutshell, as God's dear children, we should imitate our Father and love as he loved. As God's dear children, we should imitate our Father and love as he loved. Pretty straightforward. As God's dear children, we should imitate the Father and love as he loved. Okay, so I told you that uh, Ephesians was one of my favorite books. One of, the, one of the reasons that it's my favorite is that there are three companions that probably went out in the same mailbag. This is a prison epistle written by Paul and Philemon, a personal letter, Colossians, Philippians, all went out with this letter. There were four of them. And... The Ephesians letter, I hope you take the time to read it. It's a 30-minute sit-down. But in it, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, but at all who would hear to tell them this is what the church should look like. Do you know that we've forgotten what the church should look like? And that we're behaving much like the world. Do you know we have haters in the church? Do you know we have cussers in the church? Do you realize we have fornicators and adulterers in the church? I didn't hear a lot of amens on that. (laughs) But the fact is that when you read this book, it just kind of presents itself to you. Two parts. Paul wrote chapters one through three so that you would understand the doctrine. And then he wrote four through six, so you'd know how to put it into practice. He told us that we were blessed beyond measure and that as a result, we should behave ourselves like we're blessed beyond measure. That we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ and then walk it out by husbands loving your wives and wives arranging yourselves under the authority of your husband. Boom, shaka, laka, laka. So that's the context. 
And so our message today comes from the practical section. And the whole issue is loving others. So let's walk through the text. Let's make sure that it's the text that's talking and not Pastor Smith. Okay. By the way, I need to think, thank my family and especially my grandchildren because this was the subject of our Bible study last Sunday night. And they shocked me with all of the stuff that they already knew. And so I suggested that maybe one of them would come and preach. <laughs> okay, Noah says it would pr probably be okay if he would be a preacher. So we're going to pray for Noah, all right? Okay, so, so, so this is the, let's, let's read the verse. I'm re remember, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, imitate God, therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. There are, just, there are things in this that you just can't get away from. It's this issue of imitating God, and the reason is that we are his dear children. Paul admonishes the believers at Ephesus, and because we are believers, this applies to us, to imitate God the Father in virtually every aspect of our lives. So how do we become? Dear children, because of God's forgiveness, because God forgave us, because God set aside the stuff that we did, the people that we are, and he said, I so much want a relationship with you that I'm going to send my very best to wipe away all the barriers that keep you from me so that I can call you my dear child. Okay, now, Clint, shout. <laughs> see, see, when you've been somewhere doing something and God sends his forgiveness, you can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't deserve it. He said, by his mercy, he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I've been changed. The blood done signed my name. So he makes us his dear children so that we might follow in his footsteps. He has given us the means to imitate him. So what is that? That means we are filled with God's Spirit. That the Holy Spirit has taken residence in our lives. But you know the amazing thing? Is that when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't get more of Him. He gets more of you. <laughs> It's when you let yourself go so that he can direct your path. But see, some of us are stubborn. Look, raise your hand if you think sin is fun. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, okay, we're not, we're not raising up a bunch of liars in here, are we? You know good and well that sinning is fun. 
and that if the Holy Spirit did not come in and take charge of your lives, you would be right where you used to be. You're not good. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul said, it's not me, it's the Christ in me. Ooh, I wish I had a praying church. But there's a caveat. How in the world can we imitate someone we've never seen? Scripture tells us that no man has seen God at any time. Oh, but God has a way. Remember when we used to say he was a way out of no way? Way maker, heart fixer, mind regulator. Ooh. Don't y'all get too modern. John 1.18 says that no one has seen God at any time. Only the begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. It was Jesus Christ who revealed the heart of God to us through his words and through his ways, and he had the audacity to say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I've strived all of my life because I know that some of you in here have bad vision. I'm not talking about astigmatism. I'm not talking about any of those eye diseases. I'm talking about you don't want to see. And, and, and in the Old Testament, they say, keep on, the scripture says, keep on seeing and not seeing. But see, some of us have to put ourselves in the position to say, if you can't see Jesus, you can see me. Do you have the audacity to say, follow me as I follow Christ? I dare you. You fathers, do you have the audacity to say to your sons, follow me as I follow Christ? You mothers, can you say to your daughters, can they see in the way you wear your dresses? <laughs> you say, well, he's done quit preaching and going to meddling now, so I'm going <laughs> to pull it back in. John 14, 8 through 9. An incredible verse that tells us, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so what we must do is follow Christ. And so this brings me to my first point. You guys like points. You like stuff to write down. I didn't particularly care that you write anything down because when you're writing, you can't hear. So... Key point number one says, we are God's dear children, and we should imitate our Father by imitating his Son in every aspect of our lives. Do y'all remember WWJD? This is way back there now. Everybody was so spiritual, you know, you know, prayer, jabez, and, you know, I, I just thought it was electric, and the church was going to catch fire. 
But the internet just poured cold water on all of that. We rather, we rather do the internet than church. Verse 2, he says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, this is where my grandchildren really helped me, because they knew the three forms of love that you see occurring in the Bible. The first is Eros, what is that? Don't do that. Romantic love. That's, roses are red, violets are blue. That's, I can't sleep at night. I can't eat a bite. I'm just starving for your love. Did, did, did any of y'all write that poetry? I did, I did. That's Eros. That's Eros. And then the love of a brother for a sister. That's phileo. That's brotherly love. That's Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And then the third, which is what Paul is talking about here, is agapao. Agape. Agape has buried in it the concept of sacrifice. You can't love without sacrifice. One of the things that you have to do is you have to be very careful about saying you love somebody. Because you could just be lying because you have no clue what it means to say, I love you. One of the things that God has blessed me with is I, I gave away most of my library because I just thought I'd never use it and the internet would be there. But I was rummaging through and I was looking for a particular book and I ran across this one. This is, I've had it for 25, 30 years. And, and I've found some on eBay, and I'm buying all that I can get my hands on because there are some of you I want to put this into your hands because if you're married, if, you, if you're claiming that you love someone, you need to read this book. You really do. And there's a section in it that I'm going to see if I can find... It re this, uh, this, this book is called Unconditional Love. You might be able to find it at half-price books. You may be able to find it uh, on uh, the Internet someplace. I found it. It was about $4. It'll be the best $4 you ever spend. Okay. But let me read this section. It says, true love is unconditional. There is no third possibility. Love is either conditional or unconditional. Either I attach conditions to my love for you or I do not. To the extent that I attach such conditions, I do not really love you. 
I am only offering an exchange, not a gift. And true love is and must always be a free gift. The gift of my love means this. I want to share with you whatever I have that's good. You did not win a contest or prove yourself worthy of this love. It is not a question of deserving my love. I have no delusions that either of us is the best person in the world. Those of you who are railing on someone as a justification for not loving them. He says, I do not even suppose that of all the available persons, we are even, not even the most compatible. I'm sure that somewhere there's someone who would be better for you or for me. All that, is, all that is really not to the point. The point is that I have chosen to give my gift of love to you, and once you do that, you cannot take it back. And you cannot claim to love God if that is not the way you love. I'm doing a wedding at the end of the next week. I'm going to tell my godson, I'm going to say, if declaring your love for this woman doesn't take every other woman off the table, you should not marry her. Love is unconditional. I don't care what they've done. They didn't deserve it. You offered it as a gift, and you cannot take it back. Can you imagine Jesus Christ deciding, uh oh, I found out who you are. Under the bus you go. All you have to do is think about your stuff. How dare you withhold love from someone when Jesus Christ has loved you in the midst of your stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Honey, I'm quiet down. I know I'm getting loud. Christ walked in love by giving himself as a sacrifice. Greater love hath no man than this, than that he would lay down his life for a friend. So my first lesson is this. Loving others is pleasing to God because we imitate the sacrificial love of Christ. That's the first lesson. And then there are two lessons that go with it. Loving others pleases God because it's a sign of obedience. Where do I get that from? That it's a sign of obedience to love others. Where do I get that? Okay, come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Verse John 13, 34, and 35. He says, a new commandment. So what do you do with commandments? You ignore them. <laughs> and then loving others pleases God because it proves that God lives in us. 1 John 4, 12. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. Isn't that interesting? God lives in us. Verses 3 and 4, let there be no sexual immorality. Okay, this is going to get dicey here, so just get your feet up off the floor because the water is coming in. Let there be no N-O, complete sentence, no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among, ooh, God can already come back for this church because all that stuff is out of here, right? Can I get a witness? Um, don't be clapping because <laughs> I've seen stories. Hmm. Foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Amen. Let there be thankfulness to God. Isn't it amazing how quiet it can get through some periods of a sermon? I'm just a guest. <laughs> you won't have to endure me beyond today. <laughs> have you noticed that some of the best instructions that we get come in the negative? He said, no to this. No to this. And so what you are doing is you are establishing boundaries. God established boundaries for the first man and the first woman. What did he say? He said, do not eat of the fruit. He said, everything else you can have. My God. They had every tree. You know what that's like saying? That's like saying, I'm going to buy you and a, a prepaid, all expenses ticket to anywhere you want to go in the country or Europe or Africa or any of those places. Just don't go to Las Vegas. Jesus, even in his, his own, he said, don't murder. He says, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And then in the positive, he said, honor your father and mother, and thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Ooh, we could camp here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you are thinking about your neighbors right now, aren't you? <laughs> you mean love that joker? How can I love someone I don't even know who they are? But this is, but we're Christians. Isn't it interesting that Christians don't know their neighbors? But, but you know, when we were in the world, we had all kind of running partners, you know? We know whose apartment, when they were 
going to be uh, having a little recreation. <laughs> and we weren't so ticky. You know, we, we right now, we just wiping with the wipes and all that. And I remember in college, you know, you just passed it around the room. Every now and then you might see someone, you know, take a sleeve and put germs on it. But now, hmm, loving others, this is our second lesson, and I'm almost done. Loving others is pleasing to God because when we love, we deny ourselves some of the pleasures of the world to our good and God's glory. In other words, do you you remember when Jesus went out into the wilderness and and Satan tried to get him to go for the okey-doke? And he said, you know, I'll feed you. I'll give you all of this stuff. You know what Jesus said? I'm not, I'm not going to live my life for stuff. He said, man should live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of you know the difference between a good time and a good life? I spoke to my bride about this. Some of you have good uh, Good times, cruise, good time. They even made a song. I can't sing it in here, though, you know. (laughs) These are the good times. That's our whole orientation, good times. But we are being called to live good lives. That means that when we are confronted by Jesus himself, what will he say? Well done. Don't you want to hear him say well done? Okay. See, if I were Pastor Martin, I might bust into that, don't you want to hear him say? (laughs) Okay, but I got to quit. I have been up here long enough. So... Ephesians 5, 5, and I'm done. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. I want all of you to understand that aberrant lifestyles have eternal consequences. What are you talking about, preacher? Do you remember when Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. You can tell a lot about an individual by their conversation. And the thing about it is, When I was doing um, pre-marriage counseling a lot, I would say, if you want to check out your significant other, um, 
Don't take them to the movie. You can't talk in the movie. You need to go to the park. It's free. Just sit on the bench. And don't say nothing. (laughs) And let that other person dump their guts. And they will tell you who they are. But don't make excuses for them after they tell you. Because if it's a man and he's saying, I mean, I mean, I mean, what should you do? Run and not walk to the exit. Because this brother is having an affair with himself. You need to look at the saltiness of the conversation. You ever heard the expression, excuse my French? (laughs) The only problem is there was nothing French about what was said. (laughs) Pay attention to that. Pay attention to how you are treated. Be you man or woman. It's still okay to open the car door or the door to the building because he should not be opening it because you are a lady. He should be opening it because he is a gentleman. And, and the brother got to spend some money on you now. <laughs> you know, Dutch is good, but, uh, but it's old-fashioned, you know. Hey, I got that. Reach for the ticket. But, but, if, but if the brother goes to the bathroom when the ticket comes or fumbles, you know, I know my wallet is in here slump somewhere. <laughs> Aberrant lifestyles have eternal consequences. And did you know that an impure life can exclude you from the kingdom? That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week... Be blessed.